This is Mitchell, and welcome to The Art of Washington. So today I'm going to do something a little different. Uh, usually, I know we usually have uh, local political figures and mayoral candidates, but today I want to discuss with someone from my own school. Um, she's a political activist. She organizes walkouts all throughout our school. Ladies and gentlemen, Elizabeth Sector. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time out to come and just have a conversation with me today. Thank you for inviting me to have a conversation with you via You're Zoom. <laughs> You're welcome. So first, the first question, we're just gonna start off pretty basic. How's, how's your quarantine going, being that we're you know in the house? Um, well, I'd say it's going as, as well as can be expected. Motivation is definitely an issue getting myself, especially because, because I'm a senior and so like we're almost done getting myself to like go to my classes and do my work and like do my very best job is is not as easy as it once was <laughs> yeah you guys have 11 days before May. yeah i think less than 11 days i because we're out i think nine days or 10 days what's today's date today is may 1st so that's so 10 days 10, 10 days see quarantine has everybody's days just i don't i found out it was friday oh. today because we were doing this. I was like, for doing this on Friday, I have to remember what day it is. Right, exactly. I did the same thing. I woke up this morning and thought it was Tuesday. Um, off. But second question. We know that you have been politically active all around our school. If we think politics in BSA, we've been thanking you, honestly. Really? Why, thank you. Yeah. That's such a compliment. So can, like, some, can you give us an example of some of the things you've organized, like walkouts, whatever? Okay, other? well, um, uh, at the beginning of the year, I think it was, it was September or October, um, myself and some other students from public and private schools around Baltimore City and in like the Baltimore area um, worked with uh, others like youth-led groups all around the world um, for a, a climate walkout. Uh, and so that was basically to stand in solidarity with people like Greta Thunberg and other climate activists who have been stepping out of work and stepping out of school to basically make a statement to the people in power that um, climate change and the climate crisis, as we should be calling it, is a real issue that's affecting young people um, and it will destroy our futures if we do nothing. So taking big steps like stepping out of school or stepping out of your workspace for a day um, it might seem small to someone who sort of like isn't looking at the whole picture, but it's it's a symbol for um, the importance and the net the necessity of uh, action now. So that was a big thing that I did this year. Last year, um, I'm trying again. Time is time is really all over the place. So last year, uh, there was. Um, I can't remember if this was last year or the year before. Sorry about that. But Parkland was two years ago. Parkland was two years ago. I'm sorry. Time is time is really messing with time me. Is time is off. Um, when that happened, uh, a friend of mine, Amelia Vizacaro, who's an actor at BSA with me, we're both seniors. We, um, after Parkland, we, there was this play that was being circulated by a playwright called Lauren Gunderson uh, that talked about gun violence in the United States. And she was licensing it for free for people to perform it all around the country on the same day. 
um, in order to get conversations about gun violence started through through art. Um, and so we staged a or we did like a semi staged read through kind of production of this one woman show um, with uh, an actress named Wisheng Francois, who is graduated now. She's actually, well, Broadway is closed, but when Broadway opens up, she's actually in West Side Story right now in the ensemble. Um, but she beautiful. was, yeah. Um, we did a production Voices of Carmen back in the before. Oh yeah, I, you, I knew some people who were part of that as well. But so Wisheng was our, um, our actress in that. And we had like a talk back afterwards. And then we did sort of like a pay what you can ticket type thing. And then we used all of that money to donate to Everytown, which is an organization that's um, lobbying for gun sense laws. That is amazing. So before quarantine basically put us all indoors. Um, yes. Were there any projects, maybe events in the works? Maybe? Yeah, there actually were. Um, so I work with um, Baltimore's Youth Environmental Network, which was sort of like an organization that sprouted out after that climate march back in the fall. Um, and it's me and a couple other students from around Baltimore City. Uh, and we work with two members of Baltimore City's Office of Sustainability down at City Hall. Um, we work with two members of that office and we sort of we're in the process of doing this whole uh, series of events for um, the month of April, which was uh, like we got we'd gotten the mayor to officially announce that that was um, Climate Action Month because it's the month of uh, Earth Day, and it was also the 50th Earth Day, so we were doing this whole like Earth Day, birthday, the Earth's 50th birthday type thing, yeah. um, and we had some events that we were going to do. We were sort of trying to coordinate with other groups so we could all publicize each other's events, and then we originally had a plan for like an arts showcase type thing near the end of the month, but when Corona happened in like mid-March, when we were like getting everything ready and everything was starting to like get moving and we knew what we were going to do. Um, totally screwed up our plan, <laughs> but we're actually still in the process of doing things and we're still meeting and working. Um, we did, we've been doing some sort of like campaigns via social media and stuff. So we did like a week of like how each of us spend a day in quarantine, still actively working for climate justice in our communities um, and from within our homes. So we did like some like environmental education through like, I did a little thing on like, I was like planting some seeds and stuff and like showing how I did that. Um, and then people like went on walks, people shared recipes, people, um, we did this whole thing where we uh, promoted as many other like youth led um, or climate organizations in the Baltimore area as possible. So like people could be aware and know who to work with. Um, and we had an we had some ideas that we could do, but again, Corona sort of screwed, screwed the pooch. So unfortunately we are a little bit slower than, than we would have been otherwise. Well, uh, I trust that when Corona is over, those plans will just start right back moving. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> So we speak a lot of Corona. Um, I'm going to give a little fact. As of Wednesday, Corona uh, COVID-19 cases passed passed the 20,000 mark in Maryland and near 1,000 deaths. And unfortunately, it is still on the rise. 
do you think our governor is doing a good or at least decent job of um, leading the state and letting the state know what we're going to do and working with his team? And if not, why not? I will say, um, so far, what Larry Hogan has been doing, I will say in the past, I have not been a fan of Larry Hogan. I have criticized him many times. I have never really been a fan, especially like a couple years ago when he like totally defunded Baltimore City Schools. I was not happy with him for that. But I will, I have to be honest, I do think in comparison to a lot of other governors out there, he's doing a pretty good job with the whole Corona thing. Um, I think he is, uh, he is thinking about um, like what is best for the people and he is listening to scientists. And we were, I know we, cause I've been talking with some people who live in other states and stuff. And we, I think like our schools shut down, I think faster than a lot of my friends' schools in other states did. Um, I don't know too much about the whole science aspect of it, um, but I do think that he's not doing a terrible job. And I will give him a pat on the back for doing, I would say, an okay-ish job. Okay-ish job. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, for, for me, when I was, I was like you, I was never a fan of Larry Hogan. And it just didn't do good for me when he shut down the city schools. And I just kind of criticized him. But for me, this move is it okay-ish. Okay-ish. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I, I totally understand why the shut like I understand exactly why he shut down the schools and I'm right. going to be honest that was that was necessary mm -hmm. but in my opinion I think that was necessary but Absolutely. I will say that his non-communication with like Baltimore City specifically and I'm assuming if he didn't communicate with us he probably didn't communicate with the other counties either about what we were going to do after that so like Distance learning took like, I think at least two weeks to even start to be put into you place. Off, right. Or like free lunches or like there's, there's still sort of a lot of people who fall through the gaps when you just close the schools. Students who say don't have access to um, sustainable uh, in internet, like internet that will always be there. They, they can't count on that or technology or I don't know, things as basic as like where their next meal is going to come from if they rely on school lunches. Um, and I think that the city has done their best to sort of put new things into place in order to take care of those people. But I mean, I don't know, the homeless population in Baltimore, which is a pretty sizable amount of people in the city and there are a fair amount of students in Baltimore city schools who are homeless, I think really um, are being neglected by people like Larry Hogan who are just sort of looking at the big picture and starting to ignore um, those people who might not have as loud voices. So do you think, um, with respect to that, do you think they're, they're the, the only thing that's keeping him from doing a better job is maybe a communication? Yeah, I think communication and then also more like detailed oriented mindset like and i know that he's the governor and he has a lot on his plate but i'm assuming that the problems that we have in baltimore city are not super different from problems in other counties in the state and that low-income communities and homeless and and all those sorts of issues are gonna be sort of 
pretty universal with all the counties. Now, my, some counties might have it worse than others, obviously. But I think that that's something that I think that he should have put out guidelines and that sort of stuff before just automatically shutting everything down. Or at least if he didn't do it himself, made sure that those guidelines were in place before shutting everything down. Because I know, speaking with a lot of the teachers, that they had no guidance. No kind of communication of what- They didn't know what was going on. So like the immediate decision to shut schools down and, and not give people resources to figure out what to do next, I think was really scary for a lot of people. Now, I think at this point we've kind of got back on track sort of, but I think it took much longer than it should have. I agree. Um, do you think there's anything more that could be done in Maryland? In Maryland? Communication. Hmm. I think, I just, I have a lot of opinions on the way that Baltimore City like gets, or in other, Baltimore City as well as other counties in the state get sort of like left out um, in these times because, and to be completely frank, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, Larry Hogan is a Republican and he knows that people in Baltimore are mostly Democrats and probably not gonna vote for him. So he might not spend as much time helping us out when he could be helping out a county that has people who are more likely to vote for him. AKA Republican. Yes. Um, and we also recognize that like Republicans tend to be more affluent people mostly people who are not of color. Um, and that pretty much means that he's targeting, uh, like with his, his policies and, and his choices are probably gonna help the people who are like him. So white people, people who are more affluent because that's what he knows, that's his base. Those are the people who are gonna vote for him, who are his supporters. So he's probably gonna help those guys out a little bit more than he's gonna help out uh, poor people of color from low-income communities in counties like Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. And you would think, you know, the mindset is to help out everyone, but unfortunately yeah. it's not. And it's to help out the people who are already on your side versus the people who have made their decision that they are not. They are, they are simply not. So I, I agree. I agree with it. And it's the sad truth. Unfortunately, but it's the way some things work, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, do I think that it can and should be changed? Yes. Yeah. A thousand times, yes. But unfortunately, that's what, <laughs> that's what we have to deal with. And speaking, oh God, this is a horrible transition. Speaking of Republicans, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know where this is going. Okay, let's see. <laughs> Let's do this, right? So as of Wednesday, coronavirus cases passed 1 million in America. And unfortunately, we are still growing. This, this has been crazy, but we are still growing. And you, you've seen it. The Trump administration has been so... The, the Trump administration... Oh my scientists and the doctors is crazy, right? You've, yeah. You've seen beforehand the, 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 the press conferences and everything that's just... Ugh. The fun little game that we're playing where, where Trump will say something and then immediately someone else will come up right behind him and say, no, that is, that is not true. 
that is that don't listen to him like we shouldn't be having to deal with that the cat in the mouse game is just oh my goodness horrible um so i just well you kind of just put that one out there but i just want to know your thoughts on it like what narrow them down because me and you both have a lot of them okay to be completely and 100 percent honest uh i have not been watching the news as much as i should have i haven't um, I have been trying to come to grips with all of this myself and establish my own routine and working on my own mental health and all that kind of stuff. And um, I, Donald Trump does not help my mental health. Not at all. I'll just not say that. And it's important to hold your leaders accountable and to watch what they're doing and watch what they're saying because like, that's, that's our job as citizens. But... Um, I will also say there are times when you're in, you know, a global pandemic when you just need to just breathe. Step away for a minute and breathe and and take care of yourself so that you can come back stronger. Right. Um, because every time I I walk into a room that has the news on or like the radio is on and the news is playing or I, I need to turn off those CNN updates on my phone. <laughs> but anytime I get one of those, it just makes me mad and it makes me stressed and I get really upset because it's, it's, it's frustrating that we have a leader who is this incompetent and I can't do nearly as much about it as I wish I could <laughs> for many reasons. One of them being um, I'm... 18 years old. I can vote, but elections not till a little bit from now. Uh, also, we're all stuck inside. <laughs> so if I wanted to go organize something, I couldn't even do that. Um, so uh, as, as someone wise once said, uh, accept the things you cannot change and change the things you cannot accept. Um, so I can't accept this stuff and I am going to try and change it. I will do that. Mark my words. But at the moment, uh, I'm just trying to sort of accept the situation so that I can come back stronger and, and not accept it. If that makes sense. Like it's more tolerated for now. Yeah. Tolerate it for like just enough time that you can build the strength emotionally, physically. I will say that I have, my health is just plummeted. <laughs> Too much snacking. Um, yeah. But like, like building yourself up emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, um, in order to sort of come back when all of this is over, or maybe not when all this is over, when you feel strong enough to be able to call these elected officials out on what they're doing. I'll also say, um, I am not even close to a scientist or, or a doctor or anything like that. I really don't know the details of this. Um, my mother actually works in infectious diseases. Like this is all her bread and butter. So she knows all about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing the, what, what she's been speaking to people about, part of me is just thinking like, I, I kind of want to, just help her because she seems to know what she's doing. And I don't like, I don't want to be a leader for something that I, I can't lead in, you know, like if anything, if we've learned anything from all of this is when, when you're a leader, part of that is recognizing your strengths and your weaknesses. 
and learning to step back and let someone else lead when it's their strength. And clearly our president is not doing that. Uh, and he is trying to lead when he knows nothing about the situation, um, which I think is why we're in the situation we are. So if any silver lining came out of this it is a wonderful lesson in leadership and what not to do. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's really sad. You would think the president would be an example of, of a strong- You would hope. You, you would, would hope. You would hope that the president would be a strong example of a leader and he would, he would be able to not only not crack under pressure, but say smart things. At um, this point, I'm not even asking for smart. I'm just asking for like truthful. <laughs> like, yeah. Just not lie to your people. <laughs> just don't lie. And it, it, it's really sad that, that the administration that should be the closest and uh, the most bonded, I use bonded heavily, uh, for people that are listening, I'm using quotations when I say bonded. Um, and the most bonded is the farthest apart. And this is not the time to be the farthest apart. Oh. The nation is in crisis. Oh yeah, people keep saying, they're like, we can't let this politicize us. And then they make thing, they make legislation and they do things that are clearly politicizing this. Like this whole idea of now, okay, well, Republicans have to be pro boosting the economy and Democrats have to be pro protecting people's health. No, that's not what we should be doing because if we let that mindset like get into our heads, then we're not going to get anything done. Exactly. We need to figure out, we need to work on what the priority is, which is at this point, survival. Like it's, yes. it's, it's that, it's that obvious it's that, that like simple. people are dying. So we need to do what we can do to stop people dying. And when I hear people, politicians, people on the news saying things like there are worse things than people dying. What? What? You losing money? That's worse than someone losing their life? You were seriously valuing cash over a human life. That is mind boggling to me that number one, you would think that Number two, you'd be willing to say that on national television? If, if you were going to think that, you would think you'd keep it a secret because that seems like a pretty obvious no-no. That seems like that you sound like a Disney villain when you say that. How can you not sound evil when you say that so you many, value the economy over human lives? I will say this. So many of the things that I have heard are absolutely wonderful presidents say. So many, I don't mean it for those of you that take stuff literally, I didn't mean that. For those, for like most of the stuff you heard our president say has just been cash over lives. People are, we, this nation is in crisis and he is really talking about injecting Lysol under your skin. <laughs> that has been, that has been. I thought we got over the Tide Pod challenge like what, like three years ago, four years ago? I, <laughs> this that that has been bothering me and i know by the time that this gets out it'll be late but that has been bothering yeah. me and that, also the amount of people that took him seriously like did you read those articles people went to the store and bought bleach disinfecting companies had to release a statement saying that don't do it saying please don't do it please don't do that and it's really sad. Okay, next question. Because we, we're about to get heated. Next question. Yeah. Um, okay. 
this this is this is self you can answer this one yourself do you think trump needs to refrain from having press conferences daily yes stop it (laughs) okay and it's not just because i'm not a fan of you it's also (laughs) dear dear president trump you're probably not listening to this but if you are hello my name is elizabeth i know i've said a lot of terrible things about you in the past those still stand, um, but please stop it with the daily press conferences please. for many reasons, one of which being you're stressing me and my family out. Uh, another reason is you're telling people to put bleach in their veins, which will kill them. Um, and number three, you're not the expert here. I think we already established this. We talked about this earlier, but you, President Trump, even, even if you were a qualified president, even if we had a president who was in off in the office who like was really good at being a president the skill set for being a really good president and the skill set for being a doctor or a scientist or someone who actually knows how to like solve this stuff someone who spent their entire lives studying infectious diseases and prevention for this kind of stuff they're the ones who need to take leadership here they're the ones who should be having daily press conferences if we're even going to do that because right. they're the ones that know what they're talking about and know how to help people Presidents debate their job and the people who they are as much as you like. They never learned how to do that kind of stuff. And if they did, that's great. But their job is not to like know everything about science and disease prevention. Their job is to be a good leader. And like we said before, being a good leader sometimes means knowing when to step back and let someone else talk. Exactly. Advice I should be following myself. I talk way too much. It's fine. It's fine. We have we have an hour. We're good. Um, okay. If you haven't seen, in some states are currently in the process of reopening when COVID is still a rising threat. I don't. I don't understand. Okay. Finish the question, Mitchell. Um, do you think, as a country, this will push us further back or move us forward? Uh further back (laughs) i'm sorry that just that seems obvious to me i i just think having a lot of a lot of deaths on our hands and um and destroying all kinds of other aspects of our society will push us further back even if it gets you more money immediately i think i think what's going on here is this is another one of those cash over lives uh situations and as much as like we are sort of like vilifying them to be these like terrible hungry capitalist pigs who sleep on piles of money i do understand that there are a lot of people out there who their lives are being put at risk not because of corona but because the fact that they can't pay their rent or or they they don't have enough money to get through this um and i think because of that we really need to reevaluate a lot of the structural systems we have in place and not just open states back up because you think that's going to get you more money immediately. It might, but it will also get more people sick. And I think if we want to solve these issues, reframing our sort of like structural understandings of like how, what is a government's job and like what do we owe to our people is something that's necessary. It's frustrating to me at least watching all of this happen while we're also technically, I guess, doing like a presidential campaign. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people have forgotten about that because Corona's been all over the news. But I was thinking about like the idea of 
like universal healthcare. Like at any time, this is the perfect opportunity to show our country that universal healthcare is something that we really need. It's needed. It we is really need. Like it's like you're seeing these people dying. You're seeing people dying at rates that we haven't seen before. And and if you look at other countries and you look at who are the countries that are dealing with this really well, a lot of them are countries that have systems like that in place, that have better health care, that have, I was talking with, um, our school has a, a, an exchange program with a program in England. And I was talking with some of the students from the program who are in England now. And I was mentioning, cause I have a friend who has Corona and this was when she was getting tested and like they weren't quite sure. Um, and I was talking about how, I was talking with a mutual friend who was in England about how she had like just gotten a chance to get a test, which was like such a big deal that she'd gotten the test. And they like didn't understand the, the British person. They were just, they were confused. They were like, what do you mean she couldn't get a test? Like, where are the tests? And I was like, that's a great question. Where are the tests? Like, that's a basic necessity that other countries that are like other developed countries are not having to worry about because they're they're doing this way better than us. And then also the fact that our country is then willing to step away from all these other countries and say, we don't want your help. We can deal with it ourselves. Trump's attacks on the World Health Organization? Why? For what? So pointless. For what? Seriously? You're going to attack the World Health Organization. Like, what? <laughs> yes. Yes. That was that was the battle cry in my house when we heard about that. Yeah. What? Wh- it was it was what and why because it's at a time when you need a most needed world health organization. Yeah. You attack them. Mhm. It's frustrating to, to talk about this cuz I feel like a lot of it is just like getting yourself really worked up. And I know we're talking with each other and we have very similar opinions here. And I feel like it's very much just like an echo chamber of one person says, and did you hear this terrible thing that happened? And the other person is like, yes, isn't that awful? Didn't you hear about this terrible thing? And you go back and forth. And that's dinner every night in my household now. It's just one person says, did you hear this terrible thing that happened? And someone else is like, oh my God, yes. And I I'm going to be honest, I don't think that's how we solve these things. I don't think we solve these problems by just complaining about how awful the world is. I think that we solve these problems by, like I said before, taking a step back to take care of yourself and then focus and figure out, okay, what is a specific goal that I have that is achievable? And I think that's something that a lot of people are thinking about right now, about how do we reframe our goals? How do you... um, how do you rebuild your life in a completely new environment with completely new boundaries? So for example, like, I don't know, um, if I, so I'm a senior and I might be, I'm supposed to be going to college in the fall. Um, and I've been going to school my whole life and I'm very much a person who's like very, I think about school a lot. Like I feel like school and then when I'm working, work have been like my two priorities, like school and work. Um, and so now not being able to work, 
because I the job that I have, I work with the public, so I can't do that. Um, and then not really being able to go to school, having to reframe my own goals is, and then maybe not being able to go to college in the fall is, is definitely forcing me to have to reevaluate um, why I do what I do, what I want to do, what do I want to make changes in, all that kind of stuff, um, and finding ways to adapt to this sort of new situation. I, I, I agree because I feel like maybe some people just need to, well, I can't say some people, it is a pandemic. I'm, I'm not knocking that at all. It is, it times are crazy. I'm not knocking that, but some people maybe need to step back and reevaluate, you know, before they just rush into trying to problem solve and to try and figure it out. I'm going to be honest, I, I do think that the people who can rush into problem solve and and know what to do and, and are really energized by this and motivated by this, I, I really admire those people. I'm not one of those people myself. I really have had to take the past month or so to just chill. Um, one of our teachers, uh, Richard Pilcher, uh, he mentioned to us this thing about how um about like maslow's uh hierarchy of needs about how like the at the top you've got like self-fulfillment and all and like spiritual goals and all those sorts of stuff and then at the bottom you have like where's my next meal gonna come from where am i gonna sleep tonight basically like basic safety stuff and you can't get to that top self-fulfillment stuff unless you have that basic safety stuff um good to go and i think that because right now a lot of us are having to come in contact with the fact that we don't have that bottom all figured out and that our basic safety needs are not all met right now. Um, and the fact that there is a possibility, a very likely possibility that we could get sick and this, and this is directly affecting us, that it's difficult to get to those like self-actualization type goals when you, your mental energy is being spent on how to keep yourself alive. Um, and so I think that for people who who can work hard in this and are doing amazing things and like all the healthcare workers out there and not just the healthcare workers, but like the people working in grocery stores, the people who are, who are essential. I'd also like to take a moment to talk about the fact that today is May 1st, May Day, which is in, in, in many spaces, this is like a day for workers' rights. And actually today we have a lot of companies whose workers are striking because of the fact that people can clap for you as much as they want, but that's not gonna give you better benefits or PPE. So for example, like Amazon, I know is striking today. Instacart is striking today. Trader Joe's is striking today. I think Whole Foods is striking today. And I think they're more that I, oh, Target, I think is striking today. And it's all because they are, they are being forced to, it's, it's not as much their, their, their choice, like, oh, I wanna go be a hero. It's, I have to do this or else I can't put food on my table. I'm being forced into a scenario that I am risking my life to be in because I can't pay for my family's food if I don't. Um, and the fact that our, I mean, it's great that our society is now thinking about workers and, and thanking them for all they do for us because we absolutely should, because it's amazing that they're doing these things for us. But clapping for people and thanking them as great as it is it's not paying the bills it's not putting food on your table it's not health care it's not benefits 
those are the things that I think these people really need and are really asking for, especially today. I, I agree. Um, all, all essential workers, I just want to take this time to say, I can't thank you enough. Oh, yeah. Um, I, if we say it in the church, if, we, if I had 10,000 tongues, I still wouldn't be able to say thank you enough for doing what you do and putting, risking your life and your health to, to do this. And I can't thank you enough. I actually have a, a nurse, uh, ICU nurse that lives across the street from me and we helped him with um, masks and anything that we can do for him because that is, he's risking his life. He has to quarantine himself and his family. Yeah, my, my best friend who lives like down the street um, and we've known each other like since we were like little, little kids he is working as a first responder now. And so, like, cause I actually, I got to see him the day before he started the job. Um, cause he was helping us out with some stuff. And I saw him again a little bit ago because his, his younger brother, it was his birthday. So the neighborhood, we all, we went outside of his house, but we were all like 10 feet apart. We're like very, very spread out. And we all sang him happy birthday. And my friend, he like, he could be there, but he had to be like 20, 30 feet away from everyone else. Like no one could go near him because he's like putting, he's, and he's doing this voluntarily. He's choosing to do this out of the goodness of his heart. I thank him very much for it. (laughs) But there's also a lot of people who, like we said before, are doing this because they, because they're forced to, because there's no other way, because this is the only way to survive. This is the only way to uh, feed their families. This is the only way to do, to keep things uh, up and running or to damage, maybe, dare I say it, damage control. Um, yeah. Some things that are going on. So, oh, I'm so off. Um, my last question would be, well, this is, this is kind of an apparent question, but do you think some of the states are reopening for the money it will bring? Um. I do, unfortunately. I think that some states are doing, I mean, and that's a big argument that a lot of them are giving as to why they're reopening. They're like, we need to help boost the economy. Um, and I understand why they need to do that. Yeah, the economy is taking taking a big tank, but like I think we said before, the economy is not important, more important than human lives. lives. Um, I also think, as we said before, this issue has become more politicized than we would have liked. And so there might be politicians out there who are taking this stance because it is the opposite of what Democrats are taking, which is a really awful place to be in for our government. mm, there, There is so much I can say about government. But I guess my last question would be, what, in your personal opinion, okay? In my personal opinion. What do you think we could do to continue or to do or continue to do as a nation to stop and try and fight the spread of COVID or stop it maybe? Um, again, I think that I'm definitely not the expert uh, and that the, this question is definitely best directed at scientists and doctors. <laughs> but um, in my own personal opinion, from what I've heard from scientists and doctors and my mother's rants about all of this uh, (laughs) is, um, I mean, keeping states closed, providing resources for people who need them, 
So for example, like the free lunch programs and helping out communities that are homeless um, and that sort of like insane uh, like gap in we've got like these super rich people like Jeff Bezos who can afford to quarantine in their multi-million dollar mansions. And then there's that picture that was released a little bit ago, I think of people who were, who were homeless and they were sleeping in a parking lot in like the different spaces so as to keep six feet away from each other. Mm. And that like wealth inequality, I mean, that's an issue that we could have a whole other conversation about, but I think you, you, we, by addressing that, we could also address this of, I mean, in the immediate to fix this, obviously working on flattening the curve, providing resources to medical workers, getting more tests in this country and testing people, <laughs> maybe taking um, the example of some of the countries that are dealing with this a lot better and have a lot better results, maybe looking to see what they're doing and, and trying to mimic that here. And then in the long term, um, I think definitely re-examining the way wealth is distributed in this country um, and the way that healthcare is thought of in this country. Um, I think those are two big lessons that we can learn from this is that we have a problem with our healthcare system and we have a problem in the way um, wealth is divvied up. So both of those are long-term issues to fix. And then I think the uh, um, immediate would be, you know, actually listening to scientists and doctors and following their suggestions uh, and the people who know what they're doing taking the lead and the people who don't know what they're doing maybe sitting back for a moment and not having these press conferences every day where they say lies. I, I think it is imperative. It, it is not requested. It is not encouraged. It is imperative that we listen to scientists and doctors because they know what they're doing. It's, yeah. and it, that's, that's as simple as it's going to get. We, ha we have to listen to them because they know how to solve this, how to get through yeah, this. It's not like we don't know how to solve it. Like there are people who have devoted right. their entire lives to figuring out how to solve these problems. Right. The problem is that we're not listening to them. We're just not listening. And I think, I think it, in this administration that we have, they're so divided from business and wealth to actually keeping people alive mm -hmm. and keeping, you know, the economy is going to take a hit. Yes, absolutely. And I think the problem with our uh, president is he, the economy is so far down that he wants to find some way, find somehow, some way, which is why he's probably said what he said on that that dreaded press conference. Um, probably why he said what he said then is because the economy's taking so much of a hit. He's probably he's trying to find some way somehow to stop this and go back to business as normal, and that's just not going to happen. We have to listen to scientists and we have to listen to doctors because they know what they're doing, and it's it's as simple as that. That's mm -hmm. as simple as it's going to get. That's as simple as it's ever going to be, and we're just not doing it. Because we're too busy, because some people are too busy listening, listening to yeah, him. So, but I thank you again.
for taking the time to come on here and to, you know, have a conversation and discuss what I found out was very similar opinions. Yep. Um, and, that, and that's okay. Um, I thank you for taking time out of your day to come and discuss with me on a Friday um, when you can be doing so much other, but you came and discussed with me and I <laughs> greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. This, ha this is Mitchell, and this has been The Art of Washington.